When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight, the reigning, defending, 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 undisputed, universal, heavyweight champion, Wildcat Radio 2.0, bear down, you beautiful people. What's up, everybody? This is Wildcat Radio 2.0. I'm Adam Green. He's Brett Barry. And, well, Arizona football, it was a close final score against Washington. Of course, the Huskies came in heavily favored, and they looked like a very good team. But, Brett, Arizona was competitive with their backup quarterback, with their backup running back, and backup right guard. I mean, I guess you don't feel too bad after that one, right? No, so they they kept it competitive, even though I – I never felt that the, the game was under Washington's control, but Arizona also executed their game plan pretty effectively, even, you know, to, to the, to the point of what uh, the things that I was talking about last week on the pod, right? Like take away the deep ball, try to have long drives, shorten the game. Uh, and then of course that ended up hurting them when they ran out of time as uh, they were trying to make their comeback in the second yeah. half after they made some good adjustments, you know, let's, that's one thing that is maybe the best takeaway from this game for me, even beyond Noah Fafita generally playing pretty solidly despite a, you know, boneheaded, you know, redshirt freshman player too. Um, the fact that Arizona's defense made in-game adjustments that turned those long touchdown drives of Washington into, you know, a few punts, a few, you know, a turnover, uh, you know, inches away from another potential turnover, the one that was along the sideline uh, that I, I still maintain that if, you know, the, the, the call stands versus confirmed was the, the right terminology there. If it had been ruled a recovery by, uh, was it Stukes that was falling on it? Or I think. Um, and it's the, it was it, the right call, I think. But it, yeah, I think whatever would have been called on the field would have stayed. Yeah, it would have. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you know, for for. I think we can now say Arizona's defense is not bad and maybe even borderline pretty good, right? Like I, I think Johnny so. Nansen has been Johnny Nansen's been slandered quite a bit, uh, including by some of our friends of the pod. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and people question his ability to game plan, to call, you know, to call a game to 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 make in game adjustments. And that to me is the biggest takeaway from this game that that the defense not only proved it but also made in-game adjustments well and the one thing that Arizona couldn't make an adjustment for was the talent difference right and I I think you hit it Brett where Arizona played a solid football game not a great football game but that what it they made a couple mistakes just you know one interception but the turnover battle was even right Arizona got a fumble recovery themselves penalties Arizona had fewer than and just they're doing enough of that wasn't enough to beat Washington because you were right. They, Arizona was in the like, They were never out of the game, but they were never threatening to win the game. You know, every time the Arizona defense or offense scored a touchdown, the defense gave one up. It's like whenever Washington needed to make a play, they made a play. And that's a sign. That's why they're a top 10 team. That's why they might be the best team in the conference because they can do that. You know, Arizona took Penix's deep ball away. Penix didn't throw a touchdown pass at all. And it didn't matter. Right. And you know, the defense, uh, that's where I say I, the defense was fine. I'm not going to be upset about them surrendering 31 points to Washington. There are times where it felt like Washington probably could have scored more if they needed to, because again, every time Arizona's offense did a thing, Washington responded. So it's kind of like, were they playing with their food? Like, I don't know. This is football. And if Arizona would recover the onside kick at the end, who knows what would have happened, right? You know, it's a great onside kick attempt. It bounced off a yep. Washington guy, <laughs> but I, I watching the game, it just never felt like Arizona was going to win. But it was, I guess, not. It was satisfying to watch them not get blown out because early on it looked like they could have gone along. They're down fourteen nothing at halftime. You got your redshirt freshman quarterback. Like things could have gone south for them. And the, some of their players made plays. T Mac had a good game, 
right? Noah Fafita, once he settled in, he had a good game. Jonah Coleman had a good game. DJ Williams had a good game. And then defensively, of course, Stukes was good. Dalton Johnson was good. Manu was his usual self. So it's it's hard to like pick at this game and say Arizona should have done this or should have done that because they could have played their best game and they probably still lose. But they also didn't play their best game. They didn't make enough mistakes to where, you know, the slow start again, no points in the first quarter. Mm-hmm. That interception that Fafita threw, I mean, if people... If people want to see Delora out there, that looked like a Delora type of turnover, trying to make something happen where it's just like, nope, not the time to do that. You know, and he did miss a touchdown throw. Uh, Fafita did too. But like, you're going to have mistakes. It's going to happen. You're not going to play that perfect game. You just hope that you can play well enough to win. But to beat Washington, who did not play a bad game at all, you need to basically play perfect because they're just that good. Well, and, you know, I hope no Fafita and all, and, uh, Jaden Delora and whoever is playing for quarterback for Arizona watches that game and sees, you know, Heisman potential front runner, Michael Penix Jr. Just he spent all game taking what Arizona was giving them. And it was very effective. You know, Ostendorp had a, that 90 or that 69 yard punt down to the it was five, a nice punt. Yeah. And then they dinked and dunked their way down the field and that ended in a touchdown. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's how you and Arizona, you know, was kind of doing that to some extent on the on their side as well. They just don't have the. You know, they had, it's just that little bit of talent disparity and Arizona making the, you know, that interception mistake or they gave up a, there, I was watching some of the highlights. There was like a big third down, like a third and long that they gave up to Washington again, which is, I think it was the one that tied in, which was just an amazing throw an even better catch. And it was like, it was, yeah, it was an insane catch. Like, what do you, like, like, what do you do there? Like, it's hard to complain about that on Arizona's side anyway. Yeah. The coverage was amazing. And it's just like, well, tip your cap. And like, if that, but if that, if that one falls incomplete, they're attempting a long field goal, mm-hmm. right? They're not going to go for it on fourth and 15 but, or 16. But that's the difference between a Washington where they are right now and where Arizona is. The Washington makes that play. They have confidence, then they go do that. And Arizona's made some big plays. It's not that they don't have players who can do that. But in that moment, those little things, you know, Penix taking what the defense gave him all the way to 9.1 yards per pass, right? His dump offs were nearly 10 yards per pass. And they did what they needed to do to win the game on the road in a place where even just a state where they struggle, it seems like. So, yeah, like there were, there were moments where it's like, okay, if Arizona could have got that stop or if Arizona would have got that touchdown, you know, maybe things are different. But I'm just not convinced that's the case because I was very impressed with Washington. I think they got Arizona to do what they wanted Arizona to do. And, you know, you look at it, I think we can maybe kind of talk about Arizona's offense because, you know, defense, 31 points, you live with that. Arizona's offense, 24 points. And, of course, seven of those came in the last, like, minute and a half when Arizona was trying to rally at the end. I had a buddy message me during the fourth quarter of that game when it was, I think, 31-17 still. And he's like, the offense clearly runs better with Hafita. He should be gone. I'm like, they have 17 points and 260 yards of total offense through nearly four quarters. That's <laughs> the way this offense is supposed to look. And... I feel like, I mean, there was some sense of people, you know, seeing what they wanted to see with Arizona's offense. Was mm-hmm. it fine? It was fine. And I don't know how much of their lack of downfield attack, like no feet average 5.9 yards per pass. Like that is not Arizona's offense. They took nothing down the field. Now were guys not open. Was that the coverage design? Did Arizona's coaches say, hey, just take the dump offs, take the short stuff? I don't know. But if this is what Arizona's offense is supposed to look like, Arizona's offense is bad. <laughs> like it's not a good offense, I don't think. Because that's what I get. Because people are saying, oh, that's the way the offense should look. That That's one of the lowest outputs offensively they've had all season. If not, I didn't look at the overall numbers in terms of like yards. But it wasn't an electric, dynamic offense. It was a adequate offense against Washington. And that's not good enough to beat a team like Washington or USC coming up this weekend or probably Washington State, Oregon State, UCLA, or Colorado. Yeah, and like it's funny because I'm looking at the stats, and you said like Jonah Coleman had a nice game, B.J. Williams had a nice game. They averaged 3.7 and 4.3 yards per carry. That's not that great in in college, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, Jonah Coleman had a couple. You know, had a lot of receiving yards on on three catches. Um, but yeah, your your point is well taken, and I just I'm not sure what it is. I think some of it with this game was the game plan. Oh, right? I believe it. Um, I like. I think Arizona was trying to have long sustained drives to shorten the game, and so to some extent that takes it out. You know, one of the things in terms of the explosiveness that I think is a little bit disappointing, and I'm gonna I'm gonna make a comparison to another in-state football team, the Arizona Cardinals, that have been surprisingly good. I 
I'm confused as to why this coaching staff is struggling to get Rayshon Luke the ability to ex- like exploit his speed. Just get him in right? space with the ball and see what. You know, I'm not opposed to him getting some carries between the tackles, and you don't want to be predictable. But I'm reminded of how the Cardinals the last you know last year with Rondale Moore, kind of a similar size guy, similar speed guy, uh, and they would just always. They were very predictable with him and getting the ball in space, but everybody knew when he was on the field. They're like, "All right, they're going to throw a hitch over there, and that's and hope that he makes somebody miss." And it would wouldn't happen very often. They've gotten more creative with him with like two back sets and like some interesting run run schemes. Uh, I, I I think like if Rayshon Luke's not your home run hitter as a as a threat, I don't know what is on this roster. Right? He's got sprinter speed, and it's just it's a little frustrating to me that Arizona can't seem to get him. You know to break out well, different ways to and manufacture it, big plays. Yeah. Whereas last season, it was a lot of deep balls to singer, the occasional one to T Mac, you know, I, it, this year it's like, what do, they haven't had that even with Delora in the lineup really. So I'm not trying to say that that's the reason, but yeah, I do wonder. And someone like speedy Luke, he's almost like the, the cult hero now because it's like, if only they got speedy, the ball, the offense would be fine. Probably not. I'm sure he has his limitations. I know he's had some ball security issues, and he got three carries in the last game, turned him into four yards. You're not exactly lighting up when the opportunity was there, but I don't know. And I, this isn't to say coaches are infallible that they don't make mistakes of playing the wrong guys like that. That happens, but they are mm-hmm. they do have access to more information than we do in terms of game plans and what these players are capable of. But no, it's, it's an offense that's searching for something, right? Because. We went into the season thinking if Arizona could give up 30 points a game, if they were just average, this is a bowl team, easy. Well, the defense has probably been better than average, and it's not a bowl team with that offense. And what is the issue? Is Washington a good defense? Yes, they have a much better defense than they had last season. And that's where I go back to again. Like I'm not trying to criticize Safita as the reason the offense only scored 24 points because they've scored 24. It wasn't exactly the worst. It, it wasn't a great performance. Like I'll just... The perception from a lot of people was like, oh, look at the offense running smoothly. Fafita was 27-39 for 232 yards, three touchdowns, one interception, and ran for 19 yards. It wasn't exactly – he didn't light it up. He was fine. And for his first first career start as a redshirt freshman, he was perfectly fine to good. But just Arizona, for whatever reason, needs great right now from quarterbacks. It needs great because it's not getting those performances from the running game, you know, those breakout performances, not getting receivers dominating necessarily. It needs more. And I I just, I look at that game, and there's a reason why I never felt like Arizona was going to make a run at it. It's because I didn't trust Arizona's offense to score enough points in a short amount of time because they got nothing down the field. Like their longest play was, what, 33 yards in the Jonah Coleman, like, dump off? where he just, you know, broke a couple of tackles mm-hmm. and ran. Like, they were not a vertical passing team, not even like the side-to-side passing team that Arizona was against UTEP. They were just taking everything short, and maybe that was game plan. Maybe that was quarterback limitations. Maybe that was defense forcing it. But either way, that is not Arizona's offense, because if it is their offense, they're not going to win a lot of games. Yeah, and it's, you know, and maybe we can we can raise this into the whole who's going to start the next game and, and moving forward question because like there's some there's some nuanced differences that I don't think people pick up on between JDL and uh, No Fafita. Like JDL has a long windup, and I think that results in some of the you know it, it, those passes in the middle, like he where he stares him down. Partially, it's because he has a long hitch in his like you know wind up on the throw. Fafita, like that one where he was scrambling and just chucked it really fast. It was that was an impressive play. He's got a quick twit. Oh, he's quick got talent, and he's got he's got he almost had he was almost lasering. Like my brother in law was at the game. He was like, whoa, he needs to calm down on the short passes where he was like amped up. But then I'm not. I think he has a stronger. It's weird because I think Fafita has a stronger arm on those short passes and a quicker quicker release. He gets the ball out faster. But then I don't know if it's a reluctance or uh, a deep ball. Uh, like, I don't know how his arm would be maybe even stronger on the shorter passes, but not as strong on the deep passes. Well, we didn't really see him try a deep pass either. So that's the other Yeah, thing. it went like five over 20 yards or something like uh, that. Yeah, we we see Delora maybe attempt too many deep passes. We didn't see Fafita really try any deep passes. And maybe he was just trying to be careful, right? Because when you're the backup quarterback, you want to go in there and you don't want to make the mistake. And his one mistake was very Delora-esque, trying to make a play when you're down two scores. I'm not going to be like, oh, that was, I mean, it wasn't smart, but I get it. I understand what he was trying to do there, and it obviously didn't work out. It occasionally does for Delora. That's the problem. But it obviously didn't work out there. But maybe, and if we want to kind of spin this into the quarterback going forward, I, I wouldn't 
I wouldn't hate seeing Fafita get another start. I mean, it's unfortunate this is against USC, right? Another, well, you're not supposed to win the game, so that's good, but it's a really tough environment where you have to play a great game to keep up. But just, you know, I went into last week saying, people were saying Noah should be the guy based on the four passes he completed against Stanford. And it's like, well, if he, and I wrote for Asia, I'm like, if he just comes in and is great, a revelation of sorts. You know, Khalil Tate in 2017 just comes like, wow, you cannot sit this guy. He is that <laughs> damn good. Then sure. But short of that, I think you go back to Delora when he's healthy. And Fafita was fine. He was solid against Washington. And he'll probably get better and better with each start with more experience. But he wasn't great. He wasn't a revelation. He wasn't so good that you can't take him off the field. And like I said, I wouldn't mind seeing another start just to see does he improve? What does he take from the last game? You know, maybe there's more film on him now. Defenses approach him differently too. I don't know. But I'm curious to see that. But no, I like Noah Fafita. I think if he's your backup quarterback, you're in great shape. Because you can yeah. win with him, but I'm not sure you can win because of him. Not right now. Now, maybe with you know three or four more starts down the road, he has that ability. But right now, he's not the guy you win because of. He's the guy you win with. I don't disagree with necessarily any of that. I, only thing I would say, I almost think it's fortunate that the next game, if he's going to start, is against USC. Because he and like, the Cerebite clan and some of those well, other USC's guys. defense hasn't been that good. And oh. yeah, USC's defense is garbage. And I'm even curious to know that now that there's some film on him, if that actually opens up more stuff over the top. But honestly, I was at the game. I don't know if it was apparent on, on TV. Washington was daring them to throw the ball deep. Like they, there was a number of times they had nobody lined up more than well, most was, of the time. It was they, a packed up broadcast, so they were not showing yeah, much of anything. I would. So I, yeah. I don't, I don't recall a single play where they like most of the 90 plus percent of the time, their deepest safety was 10 yards off off the line of scrimmage so they were they were like it was so it was a little weird because they were like they were all kind of half back but not like playing deep so they're kind of daring to throw it trying you know, to bait them into vertical. something maybe um you know and it's it was almost like they were doing the inverse of what arizona was doing where if Penix had tried to force some you know maybe arizona could have caught in a deflection with a deep safety and well, gotten a turnover maybe that's where you need and <laughs> It's going to sound like just I'm the biggest J.D. Laura apologist, but you need a quarterback who's willing to take a few of those chances because there are windows, right? And you need the confidence mm-hmm. to, to get them. And occasionally they get picked, occasionally they're incomplete, but also you need to be able to stretch the field because, you know, you see in the NFL throwing guys open, right? Now, this isn't the NFL. I understand that. But a guy's not always going to have four steps on the defender. Like sometimes there's a step and a half, and yeah, you make a good throw, it's a completion. And you need a quarterback who's willing to take that chance. And I could totally understand if Fafita was not willing to take that chance. He was told, do not take that chance. Take what the defense gives you. But just the problem is for Arizona, when you're playing a schedule like they have over the next few weeks, just taking what the defense gives you, playing into the opponent's hands, probably isn't going to be good. Because Arizona's defense is fine. It's good. But it's not dominant defense where they're going to hold teams to 13 points. Right? You right. get a 31 to Washington, that's great. you got to be able to score 32. And you're not going to score 32 unless you stretch the field. You take a couple of chances and make a couple right. of plays. And I'm not saying force throws, but force the issue. And hopefully the offense, the Morphophita plays if he is the guy. And I mean, I'm not putting Delora back in until he's 100% healthy. I think that's a luxury you have mm-hmm. now. Fafita showed that, hey, you can move the ball. You can score some points. You do not have to rush Delora back, especially if it's a high ankle sprain. Like, that's a luxury, and Arizona's fortunate to have that. But... Assuming he plays another game, maybe two, maybe they get to the bye week before Delore comes back, I'd hope that the offense grows. Maybe it's Fish's confidence in what Fafita can do, Fafita's confidence in what he can do, or whatever the case may be. Because if it doesn't happen, that's an issue. But if it does happen, then yeah, Arizona's offense could maybe start to resemble what we thought it would because I don't... I wish he'd come out and played great. I wish if he'd have just was locked in from the get-go and I was firing the ball all over the place, deep balls, short balls, taking with it, even, you know, making plays. And again, he was fine. The offense was fine, but fine isn't enough to beat Washington. Obviously it's not gonna be enough to right. beat USC or Colorado or Oregon state or, you know, like that. And that's what they're facing. If they're going to make a bowl game, they have to steal one of these games probably. Well, you know, kind of taken off on your point like you know and what i was saying before where washington didn't have anybody deep i don't know if noah fafita has the experience in the relationship with all of his receivers to like change it at the line i don't know if the if the if fish and the offensive staff give him the freedom to well, change i know fish that's like about like timing too like fafita hasn't had a lot of experience throwing to the ones so yeah. some of those deep balls require a little bit of timing i think there was one to montana lemonius craig where it was like really close yeah, you know, they just missed it. But I also think he might have gotten held on that one too. So I don't remember for sure. 
Yeah, but it's like, you know, we don't know if he even has the ability and the, the, the stated freedom to, like, change a route and make a hot route call, right? True. Like, true. there was times where it was just like, oh, man, you have one-on-one coverage out here on the sideline. Just, you got T-Mac out there, heave it up there. I trust him, right? Um, but I don't know if he has that that freedom yet because he hasn't had that many live that freedom games. or that confidence to do so. It could go exactly, probably exactly. A both. Yeah, it's probably Whereas it's Delora probably throws both. one up to T Mac, who's between two guys and makes a leaping one handed catch. You know? <laughs> like, Whereas Del- Delora has remember which which game was it where he changed it at the line on a fourth and one and decided to throw a fade route <laughs> to a guy that had one on one. Like if it was third and one, I'm down with it. But you know, fourth and one, let's yeah. Let's, uh, let's... And that confidence can go. It works both ways. Clearly, it does. And I think the more Fafita plays, the more confident he'll get. And I would like to think that if he plays like he did or plays well, then, you know, Coach Fish will open things up for him too. But like, it needs to happen if Arizona's going to have a chance. It does. When, Whoever the quarterback and, is, they need better. And I I think a lot of this kind of revolves around that amorphous thing that people sometimes talk about and that you don't realize it until it's not there. This Arizona offense doesn't have an identity anymore. It really like, doesn't. Like last year, you knew what they were going to do. They were going to do a lot of those mid-range passes, uh, you know, in the passing game. They were going to they were going to get out into the sidelines, do the mid-range passes all 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 game long, right? They're not even doing they're not doing that as much. I feel like this year they're trying to establish they're more balanced on the run pass, but they're to mix success sometimes good, sometimes not so good. They're not doing as many deep shots, but occasionally, you know, JDL will throw some. It's like I don't know what their identity is and what's their and strength think, like what what type of offense are they and it's good to be flexible obviously to your talent and yeah. your situations but you got to be able to rely on something like you do have to be like this is who you are and you're going to be that team no matter what exactly and like you know they've got a promising line that you know Polito's injured again and maybe he maybe they're just at this point going to redshirt him um but you you know you have you have probably future NFL tackles in both spots you have some road grader uh you know uh wendell Bow is a road line, grader yeah. you know um leaf magnuson's acquitted himself fairly well i would say and you still got some depth there but they're also not you know and granted washington is a good defense they're not like getting nine yards carry against them to power run uh but it's like but then you're not getting the you know the zone running the zone blocking is not working with race on luke for whatever reason um it's just i it I think they need to figure out who they are, and that's a little harder to figure out when you're also not sure who should be. You know, if there's a, not there's not a consensus of who's your starting quarterback. I know there is a consensus in your mind until. Well, uh, I think there is in Jed Fish's mind too. Like yeah. He's come out and said multiple times that when Jay and Delore is healthy, he's the starting quarterback, and it makes sense to me. Like I said, like I, if Noah Fafita, I think you can lose a job when you're hurt. I do. Or not so much. I think someone can take the job while you're hurt, and if Noah sure. Fafita plays well enough to take the job, then he should get it. You know, it's this is football. And whoever gives you the best chance to win. Right now, I don't think there's any reason to think that it still can't be Jaden Delora, if not is Jaden Delora. But, you know, I'm very pleased to see that Nofafita came out and played the way he did in his first career start against a good team. Because I'm comfortable with him back there. I know they're not going to be a three-point team if he's their quarterback. They're not going to struggle to move the football. They can run Mm -hmm. offense. They can move the ball. They can score some points. I just know that if they're going to pull off some of these upsets or have a chance to win this game because, yeah, they were in the game by the very definition against Washington, but they were never threatening to win the game. If they're going to be able to do that, they're going to have to get more from their offense, bigger plays. They're going to take some chances. And when you have the receivers that they do, you'd like to think that T-Mac will have that single coverage down the field or Jacob Cowing will be open or Montana Linus Craig or Kevin Green Jr. if he's out there or something. You know, like <laughs> you just have to. It has yeah. to be there. I almost I almost kind of I'm finding myself uh, contradicting myself internally because I'm like, if you're playing in the, the, the ranked teams where you need to have your, you know, your highest possible ceiling, I want Delora in there. And when you're the, the physically more talent and superior and more talented team like Fafita. the ter- the territorial oh. cup game where it's a rivalry game where it's weird i have more faith that fafita will not lose it well i have Delora. no doubt that arizona <laughs> would have beat nau with fafita utep they would have beat with fafita right and they probably would have beat stanford with fafita too the whole time grand they i think they would have beat them if the never gets hurt but that's alternate reality we'll, we don't know what all would happen but i'm confident that the teams that arizona has more talent than fafita is plenty good enough to beat them right now and again fafita could get better the more he plays the older he gets i'm not saying this is his ceiling but if you're going to beat the teams that are better than arizona i think you need that higher ceiling guy 
and you're going to live with those mistakes because he does offer you that. And maybe that's just his experience. Maybe if you put, you know, give Fafita 20 more starts, he has that confidence too. But for Arizona in the year 2023, I think they need the quarterback who can do those things and is willing to do those things. Yeah, and, you know, I think I think you and I are aligned, and I'm pretty sure Jed Fish is aligned. If Jaden Delore is not 99.9% or better health-wise, he's so not he starting sits. next week. He sits, uh, yeah. I think it gets more, uh, and this is, you know, let's just let's just assume that uh, no Fafita starts and Arizona pulls the upset at USC and he plays – you know, better than he did against Washington, not like setting the world on fire, but Arizona pulls the game out. Mm-hmm. Then are you going to, are you going to not have a healthy Jaden Delora come back and start at Washington state the following week? <laughs> I think it, you can make it a point to be like, okay, if you miss the Washington state game, that gives you the bye week now and you're totally healthy when you come back if you're Delora. And if it's a high ankle sprain, which I think has been the rumor that could be two, three, four weeks to be a hundred percent. His mobility is a big thing. So you could make the yeah. argument that he's still not 100%. But, yeah, if Fafita comes out and they win the game, that changes some things, depending on how he plays, of course. And I had a friend say, like, well, if they get, like, three pick sixes and all that, it's not, is it, do they win because of the quarterback or just with the right. quarterback? Exactly. He's like, it's like, well, they're not beating these teams without the quarterback. Like, I agree with you that they're not going to beat any of these teams without the quarterback playing really well. But just there's different ways to win football games, as we've seen. And... Yeah, I think the I, the goal is that Fafita plays well enough to where you don't have to rush Delora back. Like that's that's the point. Yeah, like you I can guess wait until he's one hundred percent healthy, no matter what. I guess I'm also saying it's going to be real hard to keep JDL off the field going to Pullman. But also, if I'm Fish, <laughs> he's he's an emotional player that that cuts both ways. Yeah, I mean, maybe after a couple <laughs> of weeks off, he would be in a better headspace too for that game, and you know, being able to see the game from a different perspective. He's been the starting quarterback for what the last three years when he's been playing. So maybe being able to watch the game from the sideline, see another player do it, see you know, listen to the coach's calls, but from a different vantage point. Who knows? Maybe that's helpful, you know. And if he comes back and he struggles, then you can have a much shorter hook, like a quicker hook. Like not that if he throws an interception, you bench him, but if you see things you don't like from if you're Jed Fish and he's not running the offense, he's making plays that he shouldn't be making, he's doing dumb things. You'd be like, hey, like I'll go to the next guy and feel good about it. But yeah. It's not a bad yeah. place to be if you're Arizona. I mean, remember a couple no. of years ago, the quarterbacks that they went through. And here they went from Jan Delora, who was good last season, Pac-12 freshman of the year a couple of years ago, to Nofafita. Was there a drop-off? I think so, but it wasn't a giant drop-off. You know, they were still a good football team, a solid offense. It wasn't a train wreck. It wasn't abysmal. It was just, it was fine. Yeah, it's it's a far cry from the... The Gunner Cruise days. <laughs> Indeed. So we'll we'll take that. Well, Brett, let's take a break. And normally we like to bring on a guest each week. But you know what? They're playing USC. But there's so much going on with Arizona football. We decided to make our guest you, our listeners, with a mailbag. So we'll get to that right after this break. We're back. It's Wildcat Radio 2.0. And we're going to get to your questions through the mailbag. Of course, there are a couple of really fun things that happened with Arizona athletics over the last week, not just a competitive football game, but of course the Arizona, the red blue game for basketball that happened on a Friday and I didn't watch it for the first time ever. Cause it wasn't on the PAC 12 network. So that's cool. Um, I know KJ Lewis had a good game. Um, also did great in the dunk contest. So I, I feel good about this basketball team. We know it's deep. We know it's got experience. We know it's got size. A buddy of mine who was there, he's like, yeah, this team's not going to have any trouble getting to the bucket. And he's like, and it is a big team. You know, it's like, Mm -hmm. hey, the things that Arizona needed after last season, quickness, strength, and ability to get to the bucket, and athleticism. Seems to have that. And grand red-blue game doesn't tell you how good a team's going to be, but there's a lot of good players on the floor that night. Yeah, so... uh... First of all, that is the official start of basketball season, which, you know, is basically a, a, a national holiday of Tucson. Yes. Um, also, I believe technically it was called the Red Blue Showcase, not the game. Red yeah, because there, well, there was the game, but the showcase of the dunk contest, the three-point contest, right. those things. Yeah. Well, and then and then uh, I think it was Brian Peterson at AZ Desert Swarm figured out in the last 10 minutes that there was some hidden stream somewhere on Pac-12 network. <laughs> yeah. So I did get, I, I saw that and got to catch the last few minutes of it. Um, and I saw some of the highlight things. Uh, I'd already yeah, given up. Team, and I was like going to bed. I'm like, yeah, I'm tired. <laughs> so this, this team looks 
very athletic. Caleb Love looks just like an athlete on the court. KJ Lewis looks like an athlete. I was seeing all these people on boards and on Twitter comparing him to Hassan Adams, and I half-jokingly say that's the meanest thing you've ever said about <laughs> K.J. Lewis because I think Hassan Adams is a guy who is overrated as a basketball player because he's just an athlete playing well, basketball. He never got better. Like, but well, I, think, I think it's more because, the body style, the way they look right now, but because, Hassan yeah, never got a, better from that. He's a, he, he. I remember I was at the Midnight Madness thing back in the day when it was him and Andre Iguodala, and my dorm mates were like, "Oh, that Hassan Adams guy is gonna be a beast." I'm like, "Oh no, that Iguodala is the basketball player, guys." <laughs> and like, he's also athletic AF. Um, but KJ Lewis looks, you know, like, big, like he's gonna contribute athletic. this year. Yeah, Caleb Love looked real quick. The you know the the bit the, all the clips we've seen of some of the Euro guys also they they're coming along. Bala uh, looked like he was in. Ready to go. A little bit better him. shape, yeah. Imagine um, that, but, that there was time between that summer tournament or whatever they did, that little tour, and now, and Umarbalo got in better shape. Who knew? Did you get in better shape in those in that time period? I Actually, know. yes. But, but, <laughs> <laughs> like, I was never worried. There were some people I know that were like, the sky song with Balo, he goes out of shape. It's like, basketball players, like college guys, they're not usually meant to be in game shape in, you know, June or whenever that was. July, right. August, so like it's fine. Well, but either way, you he know, looked good. If you're if you're trying to be the t- high end athlete, it's a it's a discipline that's year round, though, right? Um, and but that's also Arizona has enough depth at the big man position where if he's not ready to go, I'm not that worried about this roster. Like there's yeah. there's no, a, it's a deep Arizona's, roster. There's and I think Tommy Lloyd has said that he's you know he's, he knows he needs to play more guys, and I think he has the ability to with some of the guys that have developed, you know, especially if some of the guys that looked a little too raw last year, um, you know, look better. Uh, but they also think they're going to get pushed by some of the new Euro big guys like Krivas coming in, I think is going to make some of these other guys, you know, ship up or, or, you know, you're going to be at the end of the bench. Right. So, yeah. So it's basketball season now, yeah. which also means Arizona picked up a basketball recruit over the last week too, a four-star center named Emmanuel Steven. Um, I think, you know, he's supposed to be pretty good, like a defensive center, like good athlete, great motor, and someone who, for the class of 2024, adds, adds to what Arizona has already with Jamari Phillips, with Carter Bryant, and it's like, okay, I think I saw it's a top five class now. So, cool. Yeah, top 100 guy in the Arizona. Tommy Lloyd uh, is not going to lose by, uh, uh, you know, Sean Miller, when he first got here, I think it was like we're losing games by inches when they had Jesse Perry starting at mm-hmm. center. And he refused to do that moving forward. I think Tommy Lloyd knows the value of having uh, seven-footers on his roster. <laughs> yeah, and these are athletic seven-footers. Guys who, like, yeah. I know Steven is supposed to be more of a defensive guy. Rebounds, quickness, and all that stuff. You know, not an offensive guy. Not a guy you can dump the ball into. His hands were slowly questioned. He's also very young, and he's a big. So, really good prospect for them. Never a bad thing to see Arizona basketball get four- and five-star guys and the class they're building because we know how much the roster changes over year to year. So, I never upset when you pick, get a guy who was like commit looking at Kansas and Michigan and Miami. Like, it's not like this guy was wasn't being recruited by some of the better programs. So I think I think, yeah, I think USC was one too. You know, he's he's a guy that's more potential than I think than than you know day one contributor at this point. Um, totally fine. I think Tommy Lloyd can develop players, especially bigs. there's there's literally like four seven footers on the roster ahead of him right right now, <laughs> um, and like so he doesn't have to come in and contribute right away. He can be on that Christian Coloco development path where maybe the first series, you know, plays sparingly sophomore year. Maybe he makes a leap, maybe not certainly by junior year. You're hoping that he's reaching some, something close to his potential and worked out pretty well for, uh, you know, Christian six star recruit Coloco. <laughs> it did indeed. So yeah, not a bad week for Arizona basketball starting. And also the fact that, Hey, a commitment. We'll take that. Uh, Brett, we promised a mailbag. So you handle the social medias, of course, Wild, at Wildcat Radio AZ is the handle where we ask for the mailbag, ask the question. So what do we got? So we have a few of them. I'm going to start with one that's on topic with Emmanuel Steven because it's a question related to him from Catbus at Catbus AZ. Uh, I'm going to edit this to assume the correct what I assume are typos. Uh, is incoming freshman, as, oh, as incoming freshman, is in Folly Dante of Oregon fame a better player comp for Emmanuel Steven than Christian Coloco? That's a that's a tough one. 
just because obviously I don't know what he's going to look like as a freshman. But I think Dante was a really highly rated recruit coming out of high school, right, or coming into college. And, yeah, I yeah. I looked it up. He was like 15 in the country. So Coloco was not. Um, Dante ended up playing about 14 minutes a game just in 12 games. Like, he really didn't play for his first two seasons. Obviously, 2019-2020, COVID year, and then 2020-21, he only played six games. I think he was hurt. So he didn't really start playing until last year. So he's kind of old for a young player, if that makes any sense, whereas Coloco didn't play much his freshman year. I would think, I mean, we obviously have to see, but I would probably lean more towards the Coloco path, where even when he does start to get minutes, he's not going to be looked at as an offensive-type player, as someone who's going to be a key guy on that side of the floor, but will block shots, will rebound, will look you know, lanky out there, and just alter a lot of shots. Because like Coloco, his second year, his sophomore year, blocked 1.3 shots a game in 17 minutes, and of course that went up to 2.8 as a junior. But I think that's what you should expect more is that path. I think that's right. Uh, and I'm just looking up to see what like Dante was as a in his listed weight in Coloco where, man, I forgot that Christian Coloco, at least, I don't know if this was accurate, but he was listed at 195 pounds coming in. That is real thin. For he, a was seven footer. <laughs> he was skinny. Yeah, but, and, so, and, you know, Dante was uh, listed at 230. And I don't necessarily recall, you know, exactly what his physique looked like when he was a true freshman but i know when i think of dante i think of holy cow that guy is large and athletic both in height and in strength uh, and i think he's been more of that uh earlier on and less physical like he was not a late physical developer like christian coloco was um and so i think you know maybe steven's somewhere in between the two right and you would take I think that he's, he's listed at 215 which is still lanky as hell for a, a seven footer um, I think he's still probably learning how to, you know, use his gazelle legs, legs and, and super long arms. Uh, and it's going to be a different thing when he adjusts to a different level of competition. But I think he has, you know, I was watching a little bit of the highlights. I think he has a little bit of Coloco's ability to run the floor uh, relatively effectively, which was underappreciated. And I think Dante had that as well, but it was more of a, you know, he's just a, he was just a bull out there, right? Yeah, um, different style Coloco, of players. Coloco was the tallest gazelle you've ever seen running the court, right? Um, so we'll, we'll see. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we will see. Um, you know, I, 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 I think comparing him to Dante is a little bit unfair to him uh, just because that's putting too high of expectations on, on him as a but guy. But he also might be more ready to really. play than Coloco right off the bat. Sure. Too. So we'll see. It's a good commitment. It's a good pickup for Arizona, especially when you're adding more offensive guys to bring in someone who's, only concern is defense and rebounding, no matter what. Like, that is a good place to start from if you're on Arizona going forward. Yeah. Um, next question, also from Catbus, AZ. Thanks, Catbus. Uh, Appreciate that. Another another basketball one. Why did Tommy Lloyd and Arizona staff repeatedly say that there would not be a stream of the, quote, showcase? Then there was one, after all. If it was a legitimate mistake, they should have explained it. Purposely lying? But why? Question mark. I would guess that Tommy Lloyd and his staff had no idea that there was a stream available. I, I think they were probably concerning themselves with other aspects of the, the night than that. Someone should have known there was a stream because if we would have known sooner, could have watched the game. Mm -hmm. And it's probably because I don't know who broadcast that. Like, where did it whose stream was that? Was that a Pac-12 Network channel? I'm just going to probably just blame the Pac-12 Network because they should have broadcast it anyway like they normally do. But, yeah, I, I don't imagine Tommy Lloyd and his staff had anything to do with that. Is is there anybody actually in the control booth at Pac-12 Studio anymore? <laughs> um, yeah, I my best guess, and I think it's a reasonable guess of what happened, was Tommy Lloyd and staff were probably less than pleased that there was not planned to be it was not planned to be aired on Pac-12 Network, and they were probably raising hell leading up to and in, like the moment it was starting and you know they had a lot of visitors there and tommy lloyd i'm sure wants the visibility not just for fans but for family of well i mean Mikey's that's not recruits. on the pac-12 network though we know that no but but and but i'm sure he was pushing for it yeah. i'm sure arizona staff was and i wonder if there was like a thing where like the arizona could have put on the production like what it would have taken obviously well, they had a camera on it so in theory they kind of they could have produced something maybe but I think that's. I think there was just a mess I, up there. No one knew what was going on. I think. I think, and I think that that's where it was. Who's going to 
man the control booth and like you know it's the difference between having the cameras there and being able and having like are you gonna have announcers there there's these things production like planning yeah you know um and like that stream there was no announcer it was just a microphone in the stadium right mm-hmm. um i don't you didn't you didn't catch any of it so there a little was, but not i wasn't really paying attention well, it was, at that point. it was basically just they turned the camera on and there was like you know equivalent of espn3 streaming app <laughs> production value so i i'm pretty sure that Arizona's side was probably pushing for it. Was pissed off that the Pac-12 network, which you know, the Pac-12 network has has got bigger fish to fry than Arizona's Red Blue game right now, and they're probably, you know, it's hard to say to go spend money on that when you're dying as a or in the process of a death rattle as a conference. Um, so I'm and I'm guessing that they kind of half slapped that together and said, well, what if we turn the cameras on? Can you have the stream go and yeah. like somebody and somewhere it kind of. They probably should have announced that from the account, from the Arizona basketball account, once they knew that. Not, but I'm, but I'm, I'm not, not sure even who sh- knew. Yeah, I'm not even sure they knew. I think they were probably people were probably screaming at the Pac-12 Network, and they go to some guy that's like 20 people down the chain, and is like, "Oh, there's a stream here now, and this obscure link that, you know, yeah. I don't know if I went to Pac-12.com if I could have found that link." I don't know how Brian or whoever found it, but then it was it was there. I'm sure no one lied, though, especially not Arizona's coaching staff. I'm guessing they had no idea. They probably still yeah. don't even realize it happened. No one. I, would imagine, I don't imagine that came up to them like, oh, it was on this hidden link. People could have watched it all along. Like, I mean, I'm glad it's I, out there. You can go back and watch it now. I, oh, yeah. But, I, I, bet they, I bet somebody told them about it, and they're like, great. I don't care anymore. That's behind me. I focused yeah. on you know, you know, training camp. Um, but, yeah, I don't think there is anything nefarious, you know, what it's what's the 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 truism is like don't blame uh maliciousness when it can be more easily explained by incompetence yeah i think that applies here especially when it comes to the pac-12 because they have a track record and it is one of incompetence (laughs) they do (sighs) but i mean fair questions i was like hey i wish i could have watched it and then it turned out i could have so i get where that's coming from but any anger is probably misplaced if it's pointed at arizona's coaching staff and agreed yeah what else we got all right adam we got one more question and it's a football question Ooh, from at the underscore dude 1121 uh i and i like this question i i certainly have feelings on it i'm sure you do should jed at least rotate bodies at the third wide receiver spot (sighs) this season yes i know people thought this last year and i was like well who's coming off the field when you have Jacob Cowan, Doring, and Singer, and T-Mac, and even the other T-Mac, Tanner McLaughlin, that tight end, like, who are you sitting? Unless there's an injury, like, you want your best players out there. This season, Montana Lemonius Craig has not taken hold of that job, and I'm not sure Arizona's passing game can support three-star receivers this season. Well, we know it can't, right? There's not enough completions, not enough yardage to go around. T-Mac's been great. Jacob Cowan is starting to hit his stride. So I don't know if they have enough room for a third receiver to be a big-time playmaker. But either way, Montana Lemos Craig hasn't done much. He's had a couple of near touchdowns or near big plays that he wasn't able to come up with. But more or less, he's just kind of there. He gets a couple catches a game, mostly not impactful. And I don't know if someone like Kevin Green Jr. or A.J. Jones or Malachi Riley or any of these other guys could do more in that spot. But I think we're probably going to get to a point where we start to see if you get more guys rotate through. Yeah, so I will give MLC credit. If you watch closely, he is actually a pretty he is a pretty strong blocker as a receiver, especially on those hitch passes. So I think that that might be playing into Jed Fish's uh, mindset a little bit compared to some of the the less proven guys. Or maybe there's you know Kevin Green's not as physical as a blocker because he's not as big as MLC, and maybe AJ Jones isn't as good of a blocker yet, right? Um, but I also agree that you know. Last year, I would have I would have liked to seen those guys rotate in a little bit more to get them some reps. But again, all three receivers were who were you taking off? They had all you know. Dorian Singer was the had the most yards of the three of them, and maybe the least talented, right? Yeah. Uh, of of you know, arguably of of Cowing and and T Mac. Um, MLC hasn't done enough to say that it's just his and some and AJ Green and uh, or AJ Green. AJ Jones and uh, and AJ and Green, Green probably wouldn't help them very much. <laughs> uh, he's he he's got he's he's old and decrepit like us, Adam. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, 
Kevin Green had a nice catch against Washington. Looked pretty good out there. Caught it, you know, in the flat, and I think got a first down. Um, AJ Jones got some got some snaps. I don't know if he really did anything with it, but of course you got no confidence for a start. And Arizona's not passing the ball deep. I feel like AJ Jones is a is a deep sideline threat. Maybe guy. like a like red that. zone guy, but you have players like a T Mac. You have the other T Mac. You have guys who are good in the red zone too. Yeah, and and I I would play. I would probably like to see them rotating those guys in a bit more, if only to keep, you know, also like guys like Jake having a little bit fresh who, you know, you don't, you don't want to have them like, you don't want them taking too many unnecessary hits yeah. in the Washington game. T-Mac got beat up a few times. Um, you know, he, there was one play where he was grabbing his, his, his arm. Well, Fish kind of like he tried to pull him like five different times and he just kept yeah. going back in there. And like, I think, you know, so I think, Washington was trying to test those guys and see if they can just get, you know, that happens sometimes in sports. It happens in my basketball league games against, you know, and I'm almost 40 years old and people are trying to like test me physically to see if they can like, you know, get body blows on me and wear me down. Of course I'm almost 40. So that yes, it does. <laughs> um, but these guys, you know, some of these guys are in like T-Mac is young and he never probably faced that kind of physicality before. And so people, they're testing it out, but that's how guys can get hurt. But also the other thing to consider here, and I don't, I say this, I don't think Jed Fish should do anything at the expense of winning today, but I think there is value for winning tomorrow, both tomorrow is in this season and tomorrow is in next year, if you're getting live reps for guys like uh, A.J. Jones and Kevin Green, you know, where they'll be, they'll have more trust, they'll have more real experience, they'll see their path forward in the program also, and it's not, if somebody gets injured, they're suddenly you know, thrown into the deep end. I think the worry and what you're probably getting at here is I don't even know if it's so much that you want to know what you have going into next. We want to make sure these guys stick around. Like, do they believe in the plan? Is Kevin Green Jr. He's a four-star guy, pretty talented player. Is he good enough to be one of your top three receivers next season? Well, if he is, you need to make sure he's a part of the team next season. And they are the transfer portal. Is he going to be upset for not playing? Or is he going to be, hey, you know what? I'm committed here. I just buy my time. I'm going to be the number one receiver, and I'm replacing Jacob Cowing's spot next year or something. Does he have that patience? Does A.J. Jones have that patience? They're bringing in more receivers all the time. So you do need to know about that. Just can you keep guys here? Maybe they go out there, Kevin Green Jr. plays a lot, and all of a sudden he blows up and he Dorian Singers you, you know, and leaves somewhere. So you don't know about that. But I can certainly see value in, especially when you need to find playmakers. When you're having trouble Getting those deep balls, someone like Kevin Green Jr. maybe could break some tackles, be more a little bit dynamic with the football. And I think you're right. Montana Lewis Craig, MLC, he hasn't been bad. He hasn't done anything wrong, but he just hasn't made the impact. And is that because he's not good enough to make that impact or because the offense hasn't been good enough to let him make that impact? I don't know. I fear it's the latter, actually. So I don't think this passing game can support three dynamic receivers and a tight end and running backs who catch the ball out of the backfield. Last year, yes, it could. This year, not so much. So the third receiver's not going to put up those numbers. Especially, and also, they've been running the ball more. Like, the games they've won, they've been running the ball. They haven't been winning because of their passing game. So, like, Mm -hmm. last year, they had to throw the ball 40 times and throw for 350, 400 yards. This year, they're not doing that. There's just not as many yards and catches to go around. So... Like, and they've done they've done yeah. checkdowns more often too. The the running backs are getting more touches. Yeah, right? so the numbers just aren't going to be there for three receivers to put up what they did last season. And you know, yeah, that was a better offense last season, but also they could afford to be better balanced, more balanced, and they have been this year. But no, I I I tend to think that they probably could and should rotate more guys through that spot. And even maybe if it's just like a snap here and there to let Cowing or even T Max sit. But when you're trying to win football games, having your best players on the sideline usually doesn't help. Yeah, and as much as I believe in knowing, making sure you know what you have in those guys, and if you want them, if they are your three best guys, you want them to stick around and believe in it. I I don't want this to sound sound flippant, but I'm less worried about finding replacements for skill position guys in the portal than like you can't do that if you're Arizona on the lines, especially the right. offensive line. Like people be like, oh, just go get a Jordan Morgan in the in the transfer portal. What's well, like, well, if Jordan Morgan entered the transfer portal, he'd have, you know, <laughs> USC, Alabama, like be, yeah. you want to come play here, right? He's an NFL guy, and you kind of have to. You can almost buy your talent, but you have to build your uh, you buy your talent uh, at, at the skill positions. But you got to build it on the lines for the most part. And Arizona's had some 
I think they've been fortunate with some of the guys they got in the D-line, like Bill Norton. That was a gamble, and it's been pretty great so far, mm-hmm. right? But for every Bill Norton, there's been... Like Taylor Armstrong's other... been good. Yeah. Could afford to have um, a few less personal foul penalties, but he's making an impact getting to the quarterback with pretty good consistency. Yeah, but like also those guys aren't aren't necessarily... They're not necessarily NFL guys. They're good, useful players. And like even to get a good, useful player along the lines, if you're Arizona in the portal, is is tough. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, and, and there's there's some young receiver talent even behind the guys we've mentioned, like Malachi Riley. You mentioned, or what about like Devin Hyatt is a highly touted guy. You know, there's 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 a lot of there's and that's uh, Brandon Phillips. I think that's looked pretty good. There's you know talk of they're going to potentially flip a ASU's highest rated. Uh, Arizona commit in the in the next. Now class, there's plenty right? of receiving talent on this roster. It is a very deep position, and no, like you're not gonna be able to get everyone out on the field. You're just not. And in a perfect world, they would have blown out NAU even better than they did. Same thing with UTEP, and maybe you could have got them some garbage time minutes and snaps. But like, I think the base of the question is totally sound because mm-hmm. like until someone like last year, you couldn't make a like, you had to leave those three main receivers on the field. They were healthy and they were dominant. Like, that was your identity, to come back to what you were saying earlier. Like, you were, had three receivers. You're not going to stop all of them. This season, until they can develop that or have room for a third receiver, I think you could, in theory, rotate through some of them. But, like, to your point, if MLC is a better blocker and your running game is a big part of your offense now, there's value in that. You know, I mean, he only mm-hmm. has 11 catches, but maybe he's helped spring a couple of big runs that we don't think about because we don't think about the receivers blocking, even though, you know, Team x has been better at blocking, too. That's been brought up quite a bit, so... Like I just, it's a different offense than we saw last season. So if the idea is the numbers should be the same from that third receiver, I don't think that's fair. Because I don't think it's the receiver. Like maybe MLC's not on Dorian Singer's level. Like that's probably the case. But it doesn't mean he's a bad third receiver. But yeah, is he better than Kevin? Could Kevin Green Jr. do what MLC's been doing? Maybe at least receiving wise, but maybe not pass yeah. block, like run blocking wise or other things. So. I understand well, the question. I, I think the answer is probably yes. They should rotate more, but I don't know if it's I, that simple. I think to 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 try to simplify it, I think in order to uh, say that you should rotate those guys more, you need to be able to clearly identify the reason or reasons for it. Yeah, right? If you rotate someone in, you're rotating someone out too. That's the and like thing. and like you know. You just said wrote, it, the the question was asked to like get more bodies out there and like the problem is you don't just want to put bodies out there, right? No, you want you don't want to have be rotating just for the sake of rotating and the you know that is what you're solving for. You want to be solving for getting guys live reps that have earned it, and you want to you know, and and, and maybe it's only in situational things uh, initially, and then you see how they they react. But you, you got to have a reason for it, right? Not just doing it for its own sake. I agree. So, was that that our mailbag? Was that it? That that was our mailbag, Adam. No questions about the red uniforms because the answer is yes, a thousand times yes. Uh, I thought they were okay. That's the best uniform they put out this season. <laughs> <laughs> Which maybe says more about the other two. But. Let's just let's just you know go in the closet, find last year's uniforms. Let's just keep reusing those, please. I saw some recruitment photos they had of players. I'm like, they're wearing the nice uniforms. They don't even wear those uniforms anymore. Go back to those. I didn't think oh, I'd hate God. them as much, but like the the white ones really bothered me. God, did I just see some that the NCAA is trying to ban uh, the. The pro- the prospects they're looking shoots. at the photos. Yeah, I I read too that like a lot of the schools would prefer that because of what goes into creating those photo shoots is just like a pain in the ass, which I believe. Sure, but you know, I I don't know what what's the why? <laughs> I don't know. Like, what's the point? Don't have they're solving a problem? Cool maybe photos. Well, maybe I wonder if the schools were basically saying we're spending too much money on this crap. Help us <laughs> ban it. <laughs> like of all the things they do during uh during recruiting visits, like maybe that's like the dumbest thing they think. Like you know, taking them to dinner, showing them around the facilities, you know, chatting with them, doing all those different things, walking around campus, and then they have to stop and make these elaborate photo shoots. And they're just like, yeah, we could do without that. Well, why why couldn't you? If, why couldn't you be a smart school, do those photo shoots, and then have like the you know the 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 NFT of those images be like built into an NIL where it, people can 
pledge to buy this or bid it up or buy copies of it, but it only goes to the player if and when they commit to the school. <laughs> they will transfer ownership of that. Maybe. I don't know the NIL rules, but it seems like it'd be a clever way of doing that. Well, if you're you're listening, Desert Takeover, and you should be listening, I think that's Arizona's football NIL thing, then... I th- maybe. Yeah. Then hit us up. <laughs> Talk to Brett. Wildcat Radio 2.0 here, at Wildcat Radio AZ. You know? I got I got ideas. I'm an idea man. Indeed you are. Well, I have an idea, Brett. Let's take one more break, and we come back, give our thoughts on Arizona, USC, and everything else that's happened with Arizona Athletics over the last week. We're back. It's Wildcat Radio 2.0, and... Arizona USC kind of similar actually last year's game against USC Brett reminded me I think of last week against Washington where Arizona was in the game like they got down a little bit early battled to be in the game but never truly threatened to win it and ended up losing by I think a touchdown last year against USC that game was in Tucson as well as uh, this past week's against Washington this time Arizona's going to the Coliseum we don't know who the quarterback's going to be. We're recording this on Wednesday, by the way, so Jedfish hasn't made any kind of announcement just other than that when Dolores is healthy, he's going to play. It's not a game Arizona's supposed to win. They are 21.5-point dogs going to this one, according to the sports books right now. I mean, they, they were, what, like 18 and a half, 19 against Washington, only lost by mm-hmm. seven, so... But either way, Arizona's not supposed to win this game. Again, like we said against Washington, that's why you played the game, Adam. And I think... USC is maybe a less complete and less mature team than Washington was. Like Caleb Williams throws some picks. USC's defense and and Grinch as the DC has some problems, right? Um, and it's I'd feel better if it was a home game from Arizona's perspective because there's it's it's hard hard to win on the road. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's there's a lot of interesting angles to this. Like I mentioned, with you know if, if No Fafita starting and all the Servite guys, and all the other Southern California guys that Arizona has on their roster might just be a little extra motivated. Especially their last time it. going to play at USC in the Coliseum. And, and some of the guys that are not from Southern California but have been on this roster the last year or two might, you know, have have some um, emotional reactions to seeing some of their former teammates <laughs> on the USC side that might, you know, provide interesting levels of motivation. And, and when you're talking about teenage, you know, football players and in their young twenties, that kind of motivation and focus can really matter a lot, especially on, on the road and USC, you know, they're certainly talented. Caleb Williams, you know, we're, we're getting the, the two Heisman finalists in back-to-back games. So that's fun for Arizona's defense. Um, but you know, like USC did not look that great against a trash ASU team. Like they got exposed on something granted. That was in Tempe. It was like, and he was, you know, he, he was the most entertaining player in college football that night. Um, the the wild scat, as they say, I guess. Uh, I'm rolling my like eyes, you... by the way. I know it's a it's a podcast. People can't. I'm rolling my eyes at the wild scat. Mm-hmm. I mean, they call well, it everything fun. before. Like it's. It's uh, also funny because like scat is like also for like animal poop. So like there's 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 a whole slew of interpretations there, Adam. But uh, also even even last week, you know, USC looked great initially against Colorado in, in, in Boulder and then let Colorado back into it and only won by a touchdown. Right. Um, and I, I think we know that Colorado is much better than they have been. I don't, you know, I don't know if they're a great team or, you know, are they better, worse, the same as Arizona? We don't know. Uh, and that game was in Boulder, but I think we do know that USC can make mistakes. They can play down to their competition and lose focus. Their defense can be exposed, and Arizona, you know, this maybe this is a game where Arizona, you know, they're going to still need it's it's a similar thing to the the Washington game plan uh, to some extent. Though I think Arizona can expose and attack a little bit more USC as opposed to Washington, where I was like, you know, spread them out, long drives, shorten the game. That was largely to keep Washington's offense off the field as much as possible. I think Arizona should be able to score, you know, if they can get their offense right. Though we spent a whole you know twenty minutes talking about how they're not right right now. <laughs> I mean, um, maybe they'll get right in this game. Maybe USC yeah. going to California to be going to Southern California with the Juice County guys, and just maybe they have some confidence after the Washington game. Maybe Fafita. I'm I'm kind of assuming Fafita is going to be the quarterback this week too, just based mm-hmm. on Delora's injury as far as what we know of it. Anyway, maybe that confidence from last week, how you know played pretty well in the second half, you know got them down the field, made some plays, and hopefully T Max healthy enough 
after he got, we haven't heard anything about him being hurt this week, but I know he got pretty beat up against Washington, yeah. like you mentioned. Um, but yeah, it's, has USC been angling to be beat by someone recently? Like maybe they tried to let Colorado back in that game last week. You know, they were competitive, more competitive against ASU than it should have been. So maybe they're just waiting for someone to just like, okay, make them pay for it. You know, like they are, they are a flawed team. Great offensively. Like we think Arizona has a wealth of receiver talent. Like, like Dorian Singer is like their fifth best receiver. so like they're going to score points like if Arizona's defense can hold them to like in the 30s that's a hell of a good job from them Mm -hmm. but at the same time their defense isn't that great not that they're not talented it's for some reason just not clicking so can Arizona's offense is this their get right game where they're going to understand there's pressure to score but they're going to go out there confident that they can against this defense. What kind of game plan can Jed Fish devise? Can they get off to a fast start offensively? Not even a, sl- not even a fast start, just a not slow start. Can they do that in this game? And if so, then yeah, maybe because it's, it's a road game, but it is Southern California, and all these guys are from there. So, again, there's a reason Arizona's three touchdown dogs. Like, they're supposed to lose yeah. this game by a healthy margin. But if you're looking for a reason to say that they can be competitive, that they could, I'm not saying they're going to win, but they could be in this game and make it close. Yeah, like there's absolutely a window for that. There's a path for that. Yeah, I, th- I think there is. I think the difference in this game is Arizona needs to expose USC's weakness on defense. So I think they need to be more aggressive on both sides because I think they need to be more aggressive in attacking on defense, but also on offense. Because if you let, you know, Caleb Williams, uh, <laughs> If you don't game plan around Caleb Williams, you're just not doing things right. Well, he's and a I scrambler, think, too. Like He makes a lot of well, plays outside the pocket. He's going to be tough. And that's where I kind of, you know, Justin Flo struggles in coverage, but I might have him be like, you own Caleb Williams or the guy he hands the ball to. And you're either spying him, blitzing him, or tackling the running back. That is all you do. Yeah. And, like, you are in there every play, and that is your job. <laughs> and if it's an empty backfield, you blitz right um make it real simple uh because like otherwise you know if if you get just a little bit of pressure on him he's going to that's where his biggest strength is you need to force him into a mistake and i think justin flow is the only athlete they have that can actually keep up with him um he's not slow no but i think flow is faster um and just a more he's a better attacker right um because i think if arizona's going to have a chance to win this game They've got it, you know. They've got to force a pick or two. Hopefully, maybe even get a, a, a fumble recovery. You need to attack on offense. Getting an interception or two would be nice. They don't have any yet. Which they've is been a, close, a couple so times the last due. couple of weeks, but they are. They're certainly. What you're saying due. is they're they're due, Adam. Yes, they're overdue. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's it. This, if this game was at home, I would feel better about picking an upset than I would have about the Washington game, which. You know, I think I called what uh, 35-24 uh, last week uh, for for Washington, and it ended up being 31-24. I, I'm going to call that a pretty good call. <laughs> um, you know, I don't know. I don't. I think I think the Arizona is certainly going to cover. I think it's going to maybe even be closer. I'm not sure on the road they have enough breaks to go their way to pull the upset. Um. So I'm gonna. I'm. Are we? Are we doing predictions, Adam? Of scores? Yeah, let's, let's let's do it. Yeah, I'm going to say. I'm gonna say Arizona actually keeps it even within less than a touchdown, and they're gonna lose by a field goal, thirty-four to thirty-one. Is it gonna be like a late field goal, or is it gonna be like they just get within a field goal and never? They get within a field goal, and then USC, USC runs, runs the out the clock. clock. Okay, I got USC winning thirty-eight twenty-seven. I think Arizona's offense does look okay, but there's probably a mistake more on their side than on what USC's going to do. I can see a somewhat similar game plan as the last week and so much as just try to keep their offense off the field, have those sustained drives. Um, but I think it's, I think USC is a better offense than Washington. I mean, it's that much more difficult to hold them in check. But I think their defense is also not nearly as good as Washington's, so Arizona's offense looks better. That is just opponent adjusted or with another week of Fafita as the starter getting those reps with the ones and opening up the offense a little bit I think Arizona does look better I think they are competitive but similar to Washington where they're competitive but never threatening to win this game that's kind of how I see it going yeah if it, if it was in Tucson I'd feel more confident about it 
Um, yeah, agreed. I think that I I think the spread is a little bit of an insult. I was I was realizing I think the only game Arizona didn't win against the spread this season was the near loss at Stanford. Yeah, I think they've beaten the spread in every other and game. Stanford was competitive with Oregon for a half last week too, and then of course Oregon organed and pulled away comfortably. But I'm like at first I'm like, huh, maybe Stanford's not as bad as we. Oh yeah, no, they are. Yeah. Yeah, everybody eventually becomes who they are. <laughs> so we'll see what happens in that game, of course. Other news to come out from Arizona football this week. I guess if you could say like one of their commitments, Keanu Wilhite, decommitted from Arizona. One of the defensive ends, a teammate of Elijah Rushing, he decommitted from Arizona. Elijah Rushing still committed to Arizona. Don't worry there. But you know, it's a bummer because I know Wilhite, people are like, oh, that guy's kind of underrated. Pretty good player who is just you know pretty dominant in his own right kind of why I don't get super excited about commitments but you know still nice when they happen and there's you know nothing to say that it's not possible that he comes back around and still comes to Arizona or you know it wouldn't be the first time a player a highly touted uh, Tucson kid or Arizona kid goes to a bigger name program goes there for a year transfers <laughs> and either way like um, if he chooses to go somewhere else that's his that's his right. Yeah. I don't hold it against him. <laughs> I would never. He, yeah, he should go exactly where he wants to go. Like uh, it's just, nobody, yeah. nobody is really committed until it's legally binding. And, and even then, with the transfer the portal and the way things go, <laughs> what is legally binding in the world of commitments? Fair. <laughs> the NIL contract is probably the the strongest contract <laughs> out there. Tell that to Jaden Rashada up at ASU. Well, I don't know if that was a contract. I think that was a. Large number written on a napkin. It's kind of the best numbers when they're large written on napkins. In all the movies, it's the best. The Jaden Rosada story. <laughs> Where it was not the best. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the twist that everyone's looking for. Uh, anything else, Brett? What else we got? Anything? I think I think that's it. Um, you know, women's basketball is coming, is coming back along with the men's team. I'm excited to see what what Adia Barnes and, and staff can say. I, I did see on your on the, the AZ Desert Swarm your where you write. I did get uh, a little tossed when I uh, thrown thrown a, tossed asunder when I saw a headline of gritty is the identity Adia Barnes wants for Arizona and I read that initially as gritty the the mascot for the Phillies <laughs> and I was very excited. <laughs> this definitely bring gritty to Tucson. <laughs> I you know that that headline just made, gave me a good idea. So let's make it happen, Adia. Come on, as Arizona assist. Let's make it happen. Get gritty <laughs> on the shirts. Find some way to do that that's not like breaking laws and other issues that would come of stealing someone else's mascot's likeness. We're going to make some off-brand <laughs> Tucson version of can you, Gritty. Can you imagine how awful that would look? It would be horrifying. Like off-brand Gritty. Yeah, it would be, I mean, not regular good. Gritty is already horrifying. That's what I mean. Like, There's a small chance we improve it but a, a very large chance that we finally make it even more grotesque. Yeah, and I'm just going to stop there before I make some jokes that come off badly about what that character might look like or be named. <laughs> okay, it's probably for the probably, best. Probably time to sign off here now. Of course, we appreciate everyone who submitted their mailbag questions to us. You can do that on the social media, on the Twitter machine, also known as X, at Wildcat Radio AZ is the handle. If you're listening to us, you probably found us on Spotify or on iTunes. Give us a rating on each of those sites. And if you're on iTunes, leave us a review as well. We will read that review on the air. Otherwise, yeah, Arizona football against Washington, not Washington, that was last week, against USC this week at the Coliseum. Last time Arizona was going to the Coliseum as a conference foe. Um, hopefully it's a fun game. Obviously, it'd be interesting to see how Arizona comes out, especially if Noah Fafita gets his second career start in that one. Um, but yeah. And that basketball season is beginning. There's going to be more news about that as the season gets closer and closer. We'll be happy to talk about that because it's basketball and we're an Arizona podcast. Of course we're excited to talk about that. But otherwise, hopefully it's a good weekend for Arizona football. And we'll catch you all next week. But until then, remember to bear down. Bear down. Uh...